Welcome in 8x80 podcast, Austin Ham, Tyler Smith, and Tyler, we've been tweeting about it for a few days now, but it is the most wonderful time of the year. It is playoff season. D1 and D2 both get everything underway with 32 awesome games this coming Thursday night. So tonight we are going to sit down and we're going to record two episodes, actually. We're going to crank through our D1 preview here first and then follow that up and crank uh, through our D2 preview. Both of those will hit the podcast feed at the same time late this evening along with our week eight recap. So if you're popping in on Wednesday morning, you're going to see an awful lot of content from us to give you a chance to try to get caught up and ready to go for Thursday night's games. Yeah, and with the with the double episodes, if you're um, one of those teams that got stuck, even though it's east and west, if you got stuck on kind of the different borders where you got a little bit of drive time, you're able to get get both episodes in or get one episode in on the way there, one episode in on the way back. Um, either way, should should be a good one. I'm excited for um, playoffs to be here, and like Austin said, we're going to run through D1. Um, the way we're going to do it is we're just going to start on the east. Um, run through basically how the bracket would be set up. So you got 116, 8, 9, all the way down. Um, we're not just going to go 1, 2, 3, 4. Um, so if you're one of those number two teams, you got to kind of stick around. And then as soon as we're done with the East, we'll jump right into the West um, and keep things rolling that way. But other than that, uh, let's just dive right into the East. Um, we got number one, Stanton, 8-0 uh, on the season. They're going to be taking on number 16, Mead, who's 3-5. and five. This is a Stanton team that made it to the semifinals last year before eventually falling to Clarkson Lee. Um, it feels like everything's starting to kind of roll the way Stanton wants it to. Um, we had some question marks early on in the season in terms of could they clean up some things? Could they kind of get get clicking and kind of reach the full potential that Stanton is capable of? And it seems like they've really been doing that as of late. Yeah, it just last year that was such a young team for Stanton. It's I put in a note in the doc here last year's loss to Clarkson Lee kind of had this, oh, is that the Pistons lost to the Celtics, you know, where you got to go through some growing pains. You've got to face some of those kind of kingmaker teams as you grow up as a squad. And it feels like Stanton has got themselves well positioned, obviously, here with this one seed in the East. This mean squad, they're taking on only three and five, but they would have had a really really tough schedule and that tough schedule is kind of how they find themselves into the playoffs, even though they've only got those three wins. They, they played really good teams, but if you're going to try to make an argument that they could pull, you have the world shocking upset here. You probably would have liked them to see them play some of those awesome teams that they played a little bit closer. So it's pretty hard to see this being anything other than a stand rule. But again, it's the one sixteen. That's usually how that's going to play out. Uh, next down in the bracket, the 8-9 in the East, Johnson County Central Thunderbirds at 6-2, and two, taking on 5-3 and three, Clarkson Lee. This is an, just a fantastic matchup. The defending state champs in Clarkson Lee, uh, Johnson, uh, Johnson County Central kind of snuck up, certainly snuck up on you and I, and I think kind of snuck up on everybody with that 6-2 and two record. Uh, Clarkson Lee, we knew we were, they were going to have to do a lot to try to replace production to try to repeat as state champs. That's always so difficult to do. But Dylan Higby was having a fantastic season for them at that running back spot before he ultimately goes down with injury against Cross County a couple weeks ago. And that really, really just dings the chances for the Patriots and really, I think, takes the luster off of what could have been an even more exciting matchup if Higby was able to play. 
Right, I think I think that's kind of the key takeaway going into this one. Um, another thing to note is the fact that both of these teams losses, so all five losses in terms of their combined records all came against ranked opponents um, that are actually still ranked now, not just ranked when they played them. Um, so these two teams have not had an easy road to get there. They've both been battle tested. So um, really important to kind of note that um, they actually have a common opponent in eggs from Milligan friend who we'll get to a little bit later. Um, Clarkson Lee ended up losing that one by 20 back in week one, 30, 38 to 58. And then Johnson County central lost by two just a couple weeks ago in week seven, 26 to 28. Um, really, I think this is two teams that really like to do very similar things like to keep the ball on the ground, um, like to try and use their defense in order to win games. Um, without Higby, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for Clarkson Lee, but um, the way that offensive line's built um, and the way that they're able to kind of game plan. Um, listen, no, not that many people expected them to roll through the playoffs the way that they did last season, um, and they were able to kind of put something together. So maybe they can kind of work some magic uh, with even even with losing Higby. So this is one that we're going to be keeping a very close eye on is either team that comes out of this could, could really kind of make a case that because of the, the record that they had, um, against such difficult opponents that they could kind of make a case that they can push it, push deeper into the playoffs. Yeah, and as the 8-9, they're probably in a position where they're going to have to face a top-tier seed when they get into that second round. And I I mean, between Clarkson Lee and Johnson County Central, I mean, you talked, you if you asked North Platte, St. Pat's, Stanton, or Cross County, or Sandy Creek, kind of your top four, do you think any of them are really interested in playing either of these teams in the second round? And certainly if it's Clarkson Lee, Clarkson Lee will probably wind up hosting that game. So there's, there's a chance that the team coming out of this one is positioning themselves to try to really make some interesting noise. Right. That's just it. I mean, occasionally you get, get an eight, nine matchup where a nine just kind of had, had the right PowerPoints and just kind of snuck in there and, and isn't quite as scary of a matchup. Both of these teams know what they are, know who they are and, and, and game plan very well based on the, the personnel that they have. So I think you're right. Um, any of those kind of top four, four teams, um, I don't think are going to be looking at this one going, Oh yeah, this, this is automatic round two. We're, we're already going on type deal. I mean, you, you really got to kind of bring your a game, um, especially if you got to come on the road up to Clarkson Lee. So, um, Important one there. Next one down the list, we've got number four, Plainview at 8-0. Um, they're going to be hosting uh, number 13, Hardington Newcastle, who's 4-4 four four on the season. This is actually a rematch um, from earlier this season, back in week two, um, that went Plainview's way 42-6. to six. Um, That game, we kind of talked about it back then, that, that that score maybe didn't indicate how how, how the game truly went. A um, couple key turnovers early really kind of get let Plainview get up on top. Um, really before Hardington even knew what was going on. Um, that is a Hardington-Newcastle team that was a little bit banged up uh, coming off that why not loss um, where they managed to push um, the Blue Devils for, a, we'll call it a good two and a half, three quarters of football before they started kind of running into some cramping issues. Um, and eventually the Blue Devils were able to just kind of pull away in that one. So there's that's kind of the silver lining if you're Hardington that, hey, we were just coming off a tough loss. Um, and we've already seen Plainview. We've seen what they've done. And Harnington Newcastle has been playing some pretty good ball as of late. So you've got that kind of going for you. In terms of Plainview, I can remember sitting in those bleachers not many moons ago when Plainview was 0 for 8 um, on the season. Now they're 8-0 on the regular season. 
they've had some really good transfers come into the school there. Um, Spencer Hilly coming out of Osmond. Um, you got Gage Walton and Ty Dieterson both coming over from Creighton this past year. Um, I think you could kind of dub Plainview as kind of the transfer transfer portal kings uh, for eight man football. I mean, they've they've brought in some guys that have been really really productive, not just basketball, not just football, but also basketball, track. I mean, really just kind of putting athletes in good positions to compete. Um, their best win comes against Elkhorn Valley um, in that week eight matchup that we talked about not not very long ago. They beat a lot of playoff teams. Um, but they're still kind of looking for that true resume building win to say that we can beat the best of them. Um, I suspect that they win this one. And if they keep winning, you're going to run into a team like that. And you're going to get your shot to really kind of prove yourself if you're the Pirates. Yeah, it feels like Plainview is a pretty heavy favorite here, unless you see just some absolute magic from Riley Sedbeck, which can't just completely throw that out. It's very possible. He's an incredibly talented player. But this Plainview team, you mentioned there's so many things about them that's just so fascinating. I mean, uh, this week, Huskerland, uh, Huskerland Preps ran a profile on Spencer Hilly, which is just beautiful timing and just makes, like you said, really kind of highlights the fact that, wow, you think he came in as a sophomore. That was two years ago that he was there. His first year in Plainview was that 0-8 season. Now he's a senior 8-0. Walton and Diedrichson fresh this year in from Creighton. So being able to just a different way to build out a team, but it's really coalesced well and you know, people talk about so much like, well, can you build things with transfers? And obviously you talk about it more at the collegiate level with, well, can you kind of have that bot not built? Do guys buy in? Do they play as a team? And this is a Plainview team that clearly has coalesced well, that is playing well together. And like you said, they didn't exactly have a murderer's row schedule, but they beat some playoff teams. They beat some quality guys. And it's going to be exciting to see if they're able to get up against some of those higher level teams later on in the playoffs. And see just how far that talent can take them because I think you and I both look at this roster and see a lot of really good athletes. So it should be fun to see how far the Pirates can ride. Uh, next up, number five, Exeter Milligan Friend. They are 7-1, and one, hosting number 12, Pender, at 5-3. and three. And I think this one really has the potential to be a big-time shootout. I mean, Exeter Milligan Friend has obviously been just fully weaponized offensively all season long. Uh, two weeks ago, I think I, had, I asked the question or posed the question, was Breckett Schluter starting to kind of run out of gas because he was starting to drop off in efficiency or was that a product of the opponents? Well, last week they, he only had eight carries, but I think he had 111 yards and two touchdowns on that. So certainly bounced back. They were able to limit his workload all the same. So he's looking like himself. Breckett Schluter, one of the big stars that we've got going. Their defense has been looking better. We wondered if it was a little suspect to open the season, but they haven't given up 30 points since week three. So I think this is an EMF team that's looking strong, but Pender has only lost to really good teams this year. And lately, I think have been playing probably their best ball this season out. Uh, Roth has been a really kind of an, a really surprising emergence at quarterback. Uh, Beckman and Heineman, both at wide receiver, have really been productive. And we talked so much about Brody Cruzmark in the offseason he hasn't been ultra productive but with that speed and with all the athleticism he brings he's just lurking as a playmaker I, I think this has a chance to be a really really exciting game even if it's one that ultimately Exeter Milligan friend wins by a couple of scores I think this is a game that could just be chock full of big time athletes making big time plays yeah with the amount of good athletes that both teams have going um I, I think i don't think you're far off in terms of the shootout um do we get to see kind of extra million friends defense play the way that it's been playing 
um, as of late, or do they kind of fall back into how they were early on in the season, kind of giving up some big points? Uh, I think Cruzmark is actually, um, I know he was dinged up early on in the year, um, managed to kind of play through things, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but I think he's actually starting to get healthy. So I think that's a big part of why Penner's been playing better. Um, another big part of why is because of Aiden Beckman, like you talked about, where he's actually the number two uh, receiving leader in D1. So um, we talked about how we thought they'd be uh, running the ball a whole bunch with Cruz Mark in the offseason um, and how we were excited to see that. Well, this passing offense has also been extremely effective. So the amount of big plays that I think you'll see in this game, both sides of the ball could really keep it interesting. And it's going to come down to who can create some turnovers, who can, who can kind of hit those hit more of those splash plays. Um, and I know it's a five twelve game, but it, it just seems like it's closer than a five twelve to me. And maybe that's because of the way that Pender's been previous years um, to where that's just kind of fresh in our mind that the Pendragons are a good football team and they have developed really well. Um, like you talked about, their losses aren't bad losses. I mean, you got the loss to Stanton, you got the loss to Clarkson Lee early on in the year, and then um, they lost to Elkhorn Valley, which, like we talked about, Cruz Mark goes down. I think that was a, a knee or something early on where all of a sudden you've got to change your game plan against a Elkhorn Valley team that's really kind of caught, caught D1 by storm um, with how they've been able to kind of build around their team as well. So potentially week one just kind of hiccup of where, hey, we got to change some things and, and figure things out. Um, and then to have to do it against uh, Clarkson Lee there in week two. So I think they kind of righted the ship a little bit, ran into that really good Stanton team that we've already talked about. So um, the, the has this game has absolute sneaky potential for sure. Um, at the number three spot, you've got uh, Cross County, 8-0. Um, um, they've been our number one consensus ever since the preseason. They've been really, really impressive, especially the last couple weeks where they finally finally ran into some tests that they passed with flying colors. They're going to be taking on number 14, Wisner Pilger, who's 5-3. and three. Um, We both liked the Gators of Wisner Pilger early on in the, in the offseason. Um, still like them this year. Not No real bad losses, um, but man, Cross County just looks like they've they're on, they're on a different level this year. I mean, we we liked them last year, um, but then they had the early exit in first in the first round to Weeping Water. Um, we kind of wondered how how they would approach this coming season. Um, from everything I saw in the off season and everything that I've seen in terms of the product they've put on the field, they look extremely focused and they look like they're out for revenge from last year. Yeah, I mean we're going to touch on the team that they just played in week eight here in a second. They played a awesome, an awesome Shelby rising city team in week eight and completely walloped them, just worked them. So this is a cross County team that, I mean, doubt them at your own risk at your own risk. They, I think they made the semifinals or better in 1920 and 21 before stubbing their toe last year. And listen, if you're just going to be in the playoffs all the time, you're going to periodically have years where you stub your toe early because you're always going to be winding up having to play against quality teams when you get to the playoffs. So last year's loss, notwithstanding, I'm going to assume that this is a program that's not going to make a habit of early exits. And it's really one where it feels unfortunate because like you said, like this Wisner team this year, really liked what Wisner Pilger put together, liked their resume. I think they just got a really tough draw here in the first round. 
But now on to that Shelby Rising City team. They're the sixth seed in the East. They're 7-1. and one, And they're taking on another 7-1 and one team in the 11th seed of the Elmwood Murdoch. And so I was looking back. NSAA records are a little seem a little wonky between Shelby and the Rising Shelby Rising City co-op. But as near as I could tell, doesn't look like this is a program that's won a playoff game since like 2009-2010. So a big opportunity, I think, here for Shelby Rising City. Elmwood Murdoch. We've talked about it a lot this year. They've been a consistent kind of consensus top 10 team, even if you and I haven't quite had them ranked there. They've been a little uneven, a little choppy, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But Riley Wilson, as the quarterback, has really proved that he can run the show, both running and passing. But we've also seen freshman Brody Marsh have some big games for him on the ground. And so can he kind of help them be explosive? Because I think you're going to have to have more than one way to attack this really talented, really physical Shelby Rising City team. And, I mean, Sam Clements is an awesome lineman. There's some, there's a really lot of trench talent, I think, for Elmwood Murdoch. But they're going to have their hands full trying to block the Verbeka boys and this Shelby Rising City defense. Yeah, and uh, and and really, I think Shelby Rising City's offense. I mean, you're talking about how good the off or the defense has been. I don't think the offense gets the credit it deserves either. Um, Gaden Dutton Moffer is extremely talented as a running back, so. Um, I think he's going to be a major part in this game as well. I think you're right. I think Sam Clements, um, who's been really solid all season, I think all those all those seniors that have been a, a big part of that Nebraska talk soft drive, I think are going to have to really step up in this game um, and create some turnovers in, in what should be a really physical matchup. Um, like you talked about, they've been kind of up and down um, in terms of some of the games they've played. Um, really, they're going to have to bring their A game in this one. Um, should be a really good one. Um, that, I mean, if Elmwood Murnock's able to pull it off, there's they, they could really kind of stir some things up in these playoffs as being that 11 seed to where um, you get to the second round, get get a get another win there, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're hosting some hosting and can really kind of get get some momentum going late in the play, postseason. Um, so something to keep an eye on there. Uh, next matchup is. Uh, number seven, uh, Weeping Water. They're six and two on the season, taking on number ten, Thayer Central. Also six and two on the season. Um, this game caught my eye immediately as soon as I saw D one drop. Um, we talked. We've talked a bunch about Weeping Water. Um, according to some people, maybe to a little bit of a fault because because of kind of their stumbles early on in the season. Listen, they had the same problem last year. Tough, tough schedule that they just had to kind of get through, weather the storm. Um, and learn from those tough opponents. They've done that again this year, came out now with an even better seed than they did last year. Um, that was like we talked about with Cross County exiting round one last year. That was the team that did it in Weeping Water. Um, they are central. Sounds like they're going to have Will Heitman back, um, or at least in some sort of capacity. We don't know if he'll be a full go, uh, maybe one side of the ball, what's going to go on there. Um, but when you've got guys like him and Sam Sourdyke running the show for Thayer Central, should be really, really fun. Um, really, I've, I've just got a lot of questions on um, if Weeping Water is able to kind of keep that defense uh, rolling with Sailor Rhodes, Riggs Wilson, um, Brayden, Luke Harms. All have been really solid defensively for the Indians. Um, if they're able to keep that defense going, is Thayer Central able to kind of put the points up? And I think that's where the Heitman thing comes into play here because that's what ultimately kind of sunk Thayer Central in their final game of the regular season against Johnson County Central is they 
were in position to even try to drive and tie that thing up at the end, but uh, ultimately weren't able to get that done, turned it over on downs on an incomplete pass around midfield, were only able to muster one offensive touchdown. They just, again, just didn't quite have it against the upper-level teams. They had some teams that they were still able to beat up on with their physicality with the Sam Sourdike show well, since Will Heitman's gone out. So this isn't a team that's just completely punchless if they don't have a full-go Heitman. But him, that senior quarterback being available for them obviously would be hugely, hugely pivotal and to what capacity he's available in and how much Weeping Water has to worry about him, has to try to contain him. That's going to be something that we obviously keep an eye on. But, I mean, the biggest thing with this one is it's – I don't think Weeping Water could sneak up on, on us all like they did last year. Yeah, they're the seventh seed. Yeah, they're only six and two. So there's not like a whole bunch of people standing around pounding the table that this is a state championship like or bust type of season for the Weeping Water Indians. But that kind of Cinderella run they went on last year, they could totally pull it off again, but it won't feel like there's quite as much magic. It'll, again, just feel like this is just a good team doing what you could expect a good team to do. So awesome game there. Probably one that, I would feel pretty comfortable saying it's going to come down to a drive or two in the fourth quarter. So that will be a fantastic game in weeping water. Our final game in the East number two Crofton at eight. No. And that's definitely something that I know you and I did not see coming this year. They're hosting number 15, tri County Northeast who's five and three. Uh, uh, this is another rematch just a couple weeks ago. Crofton beat the Wolfpack 62 to six. So the, and these two teams were in the same district. So they've got a lot of commonality in terms of opponents. And for Tri-County Northeast, you can look at that tape and you can see all the things that went wrong, but there was a lot. And you've got a very short turnaround here to try to fix that against a team in Crofton that it's just been like a bowling ball rolling downhill. They've just gotten faster and stronger and just picking up momentum and playing better each and every week since they notched that really big win in week two against Bloomfield. I At the end of the day, I think this Crofton team just deserves tons and tons of respect for what they've turned into this season. And I'm excited to in all likelihood, see them in the second round of the playoffs. Right. Uh, the, the fact that this is a district uh, rematch, I mean, you kind of know how things are going to go in this one. Um, getting to see Crofton firsthand in that Bloomfield matchup, um, I think was really beneficial for my kind of perspective on Crofton. Just, just a really solid smash mouth team. Um, very physical team knows what they are capable of um, with the panning kid with Wyatt tramp um, actually healthy this this year around has been massive for them um, really their defense has been super impressive I can't I don't I have the stats pulled up in front of me but I know at one point um, they were towards the top for d1 in terms of uh, turnovers generated um, especially with interceptions, which we thought was actually kind of their weak point was our pass defense after week one. Um, maybe that was more just to do with the fact that Summerlin's pass offense was was better than we suspected. Um, in fact, Summerlin's quarterback, num- number one quarterback in uh, D1, I believe, at the moment. So maybe maybe we had things wrong week one. Maybe, maybe that was just a really good pass offense that they were having to go against, and they've kind of righted the ship there. But Really, Crofton has been really impressive um, in terms of their run game and in terms of their defense, which we know both those things travel really well, especially in the playoffs. My question, though, is when things get tough and they get down in a game, are they going to be able to kind of open things up with maybe some play action, um, get Foxhoven involved, um, who's proven he's been a good tight end for them, uh, especially last year. So 
do they have kind of a pass game in their back pocket if the, if they so need it? That's kind of my worry with the Warriors. But for right now, I, th- I think they fully deserve some respect going going into this round as well as the next round because I do not suspect this being any anywhere near an upset. Moving down into the West, we've got the number one North Platte St. Pat's. They're 8-0 on the season. They've been at the number one spot pretty much since we started the podcast. We've talked about this before. Um, everybody just kind of loves them out there in North Platte St. Pat's. Um, they're going to be taking on number 16, Sutton, who's 3-5. and five. Um, Three straight wins is what got Sutton into the postseason. Um, unfortunately, the reward is to run into that buzzsaw of the Irish. Um, I'm not sure really what else to say. Um, St. Pat's stumbled last year, um, especially after some injuries, but it feels like they can avoid that um, if they're coming into this postseason um, as healthy as we think they are. Really, I, I don't see the miracle happening here between 16 and 1. Right. This is again, it's St. Pat's again. Every show that we've led with D1, we have led with St. Pat's at the top of the consensus rankings. The only reason they didn't hear is because we started east instead of west. That's basically the only reason that once again, North Platte St. Pat's didn't lead the show because they've been just one of the most physically dominant teams across the last two seasons. And so, again, they got pushed early in the season against Highline. So we're just kind of waiting to see when St. Pat's can get up against another high caliber team like that in the next week or two here. Uh, the eight, nine game in the West end is Bridgeport at Alma. Um, and it looks like Tucker Biscup and Ryan Kermode still aren't going to be available. Those guys were still on the sideline in street close in week eight. So Alma is still going to be a little bit shorthanded and Bridgeport's a tough draw to co- go up against in, if you're going to be shorthanded. Uh, and for the, for the Bulldogs, they're in the 8-9 game for the second straight year, but last year they had to drive all the way over to Summerland, being the 9 seed. This year they hold on to the 8, and so they get to have somebody make a long drive up to them. Uh, we talked about Peyton Abbott coming into the year that we thought he was in line for a big one, and man, has he had one of those years. He's had over 1,500 yards rushing. According to Max Preps, he's ranked number 6 nationally. He's just been an absolute monster in this six game winning streak that Bridgeport has finished the season on. Um, If Alma was completely healthy, I'm not sure that they would be this seed because I think they may have snuck a game, another game or maybe even two out of this schedule. But if Alma was completely healthy, I would be really, really excited about this game with Alma being shorthanded. It feels like they're facing a pretty steep uphill climb to try to get the win on the road. Yeah. And and when you're shorthanded like that, um, especially with two guys like Biscuit, and uh, Kermode, you you really don't want to face a, a just absolute monster um, rushing attack like Peyton Abbott and and the and Bridgeport. So um, really, just kind of a tough draw here for Alma, especially being shorthanded. Um, but they've been able to kind of conjure up some magic, um, especially kind of late through the season, even despite the injuries. So maybe they could keep this keep this one going um, and take advantage of how good that offense has been despite who's been on the field. So interesting one to keep an eye on there, especially who comes out of that um, going down the, down the road. In the next game, you got number four, Arapahoe at seven and one uh, and going against number 13, Hemingford, who's five and three Hemingford, good bounce back season. Um, I know Austin during our off season study, you really kind of called them um, where you thought they had a, had a chance to get themselves in and they did. Um, 
Rapos played some really competitive games this season, um, some pretty tough ones. Um, they've actually got you and both you and I a different pick em week um, point because of uh, us taking them. Um, there was actually a thread that came out on uh, Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, um, highlighting all the different eight-man playoff helmets across the state. Arapaho is personally my favorite. Um, there's some awesome ones, so if you haven't seen that thread, um, maybe I'll, after we get done with the show, I'll go retweet it so people can kind of find it. But um, yeah, top top tier helmet, um, top tier team. Um, I really kind of expect Arapaho to take care of business in this one. Um, we've liked them at different times against different good opponents. Um, and I, I just I just feel really confident with the, where they're at in terms of their offense and defense um, going into this one. Yeah, first off, the headdress on the white helmet, fantastic look. Like you said, that's a legit, it. super, super fun. Uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, I loved Hemingford. Just, I thought there was some real juice with this team. They really struggled last year, but part of that was numbers, and so nice to see them have that bounce back. It's a team that with that, I might have been intrigued with them as uh, an upset type team, kind of a call my shot upset. But for that, I think you got to kind of catch a team that's maybe napping a little bit. And like we said, this Arapaho game, has, the Arapaho team has played some really, really tight games, have played some really competitive games and have had to fight for to earn this seven and one record to earn this number four seed. And so I don't think they're the type of team that you're going to be able to sneak up on, unfortunately. So it's going to be a tough battle for Hemingford if they want to try to get that one done. Next up, the number five seed, the undefeated Ravenna Blue Jays at 8-0. They're taking on the number 12 seed and the defending runner-up in D1, Neely Oakdale Warriors. They're 4-4. Four and four. And, man, I am as soon, this was one as soon as I saw the matchup, I was locked in. I'm just... I'm not willing to overlook Neely Oakdale. Bryson Gattakin is a really unique athlete at quarterback. We know what this offense can look like when it's at its absolute peak. Um, Ravenna, 8-0 is 8-0, man. All you can do is beat who's in front of you, but there are strength of schedule questions with Ravenna, so they're going to have to kind of prove it a little bit here in this playoffs. And they kind of earned it a little bit in Week 8 when they knocked off Riverside pretty convincingly, but... I still think you just you can't just completely write off Neely Oakdale. This team could score. Uh, they were they took it to uh, a uh, Howells Dodge team in Week One, where that was an absolute shootout of a game. And we've all seen what Howells Dodge has been. Maybe not what they've been in here, years past, but still a high quality outfit. I 100% expect this game to be a shootout. It wouldn't surprise me to see both teams crack 40. And this one should just be an absolute ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, again, this is another kind of lopsided um seating that we don't see at least on in our papers um being as lopsided as it is uh, i think you're right i think this is gonna be an absolute shootout um uh neely oakdale with gattakin um and with first and now and stuff like guys like those um the way that offense is able to go um the way ravenna's offense has been this season i really think this one could be just an absolute awesome awesome offensive game to keep an eye on um and listen if neely's able to pull it off um that that's really going to shake up the playoffs in terms of where the seedings go um once we get rid of the whole east west first round deal so really important one to keep an eye on there um next one down the line is number three highline at seven and one they're gonna be taking on uh number 14 summerland who we talked about a little bit before with, based on some of their previous opponents. Um, like I talked about, Summerlin's got 
one of the best passing statistic passing offenses um, in D1. It hasn't really resulted in the wins. Um, but if they don't get, I mean, they let's be let's be honest, they've thrown some picks with that passing offense. If they don't get fooled into those, um, that's how Summerlin can keep this one competitive. Um, we talked about how uh, Drew Knauser is out for Highline. Big, big blow there up front in terms of your offensive defensive line. Um, Summerlin, not not the biggest of lines where I don't think that's going to be as affected in this one. Um, might be more a problem for Highline down the road as they kind of run into some more physical teams up front. This one should be a track meet on, on grass. Um, and Highline has one of the best track stars in Riker Evans. So uh, you could see some a lot of points put up um, or or this one could get out of hand quickly if Summerlin's not able to kind of take care of the ball on offense. Yeah, when Summerlin's looked bad, it's been turnover based. It's been bad snaps. It's been interceptions. It's been all those things. And there's like you said, this isn't a team that runs the ball much. They'll do some end around stuff with Alex Schindler. They'll run some quarterback stuff with Michael Koenig. But for the most part, this is a passing attack. And man, this is just a tough high line team to go up against that with. When you think about a secondary that's got Riker and Trayton Evans both floating around back there, we've seen guys, even with the injury, with the injuries in the trench, we've seen guys like Asher Hecox just become heat seeking missiles at linebacker. So you're going to see Kane get sped up. You're going to see him have to make quick decisions and fire that ball downfield. And the dangerous thing about that secondary, you've got the those Evans boys back there. You might think you've got something that you're seeing, and they'll just close on it. They've got the speed. They've got the ability to do that. And they've, they've got the ability to take those interceptions to the house, too. So tough, tough matchup here. I think it's fun, and I think it could be a really enjoyable watch. But I would not be surprised to see Highline just kind of roll in this one and get themselves to the second round. I also, uh, and, I also, also oh, yeah. Austin, I think this is a top-tier helmet game. Uh, yeah. You got the, oh, you yep. got the baby, baby blue Bobcats of Summerlin. You've got the bull white white helmet with the bull on it for Highline. Uh in fact, when we when we take a break between D1 and D2, I'm just going to put that thread out there because I'm, I'm really looking at it right now. And this is this is top tier helmet content right here between these yeah. two teams. Yeah, man, I love it. I've, I've, I've been a big fan of what Summerlin's done from a just from a branding perspective since they formed as a co-op. It's been really, really enjoyable to watch them utilize that black and baby blue really effectively. So you're I'm right there with you on that one. Uh, next matchup, number six, Elkhorn Valley Falcons. They're six and two, and they're hosting the number 11 seed Riverside Chargers at five and three. And this is another game, you know, 6-11. And this is another really awesome, fun matchup here. Elkhorn Valley, way, way outperforming our preseason expectations. Riverside, still a quality team, but didn't quite live up to it, I think, as high as you and I thought they could get this year. And we talked about it on the Nebraska Talk episode that you can go back and listen to. When you look at the common opponents for these two teams, this this looks on paper like it should be an incredibly tight matchup. So can Elkhorn Valley win in the trenches? Because that's when we've seen Riverside kind of be kind of struggle offensively. Uh, or can Riverside win there? Can they open up the gaps for Jack Moult, who's still a really unique talent at running back and really has the ability to take over a game? Either way, I just this feels just nip and tuck. Feels like a one score game. You flip a coin. I could see either team coming out on this one. One thing of note, Elkhorn Valley, the clear favor in ter- favorite in terms of seeding here, that's a program that has never won a playoff game. And so they have a big opportunity in front of them here, but this is a Riverside program that's done a ton of winning over the last decade, in, decade or so. So 
that's just another another really interesting part of this, and I think just just sets up for one of the most fun games of the first round. Yeah, and and I think this could come down to last possession type deal. I think you're right about Elkhorn. Can Elkhorn Valley dominate in the trenches? Um, that was kind of their downfall against Plainview in Week Eight um, in a bad weather game. Um, they weren't able to win up front. Plainview was, and that that rushing attack from Plainview is what ended up knocking off Elkhorn Valley in that one. Um, I think they also have to really kind of take advantage of their opportunities to score in that game. Um, they were gifted the ball at basically the two-yard line, um, wasn't able to get in there. Um, empty possessions in this game could cost you gr- greatly. I think I think you've really got to be on it with every possession. Um, I think this is two teams that match up extremely well. Um, where it's gonna it's gonna come down to one possession, one turnover, one big play type deal, kick return, some some special teams play. Something has got to just kind of break the game loose um, for either side. And I think this one's gonna be a really fun one. Um, kind of ironic that all of our 5-12s, 6-11s are the ones that we're like, oh, this is going to be a really good game. And then we get some 8-9 matchups. We're like, eh, maybe, maybe not so much. So um, really just kind of interesting the way that the the seeding fell in D1. Um, D2, we've got a couple 8-9s that, that we don't quite see being as as lopsided. We see some of, some of these ones. Um, so interesting kind of caveat between between the, the seedings in, in D1. Uh in the next one down the line, you've got number seven, Perkins County at six and two, taking on Cambridge, who's four and four in that number 10 seed. Um, Perkins County might actually be better than where the seeding sits. Um, some some really tough losses um, coming in some really good opponents in Dundee County Stratton early in the year and then North Platte St. Pat's here late um, in that week eight matchup. So really, I mean, you're looking at a, one of the top tiers or top seeds in D2 and then your number one seed over here in in the uh, west in North Platte St. Pat's. So I think they're have potential to be better um, than where their seeding has them. However, that's where they're at. Um, Cambridge is still kind of banged up. Um, so this this could end up being more of a growing moment for some of their underclassmen, it seems. Um, but you never know. One of those young guys could really kind of step up, rise to the occasion. Um, and really take advantage of the spotlight here in a playoff game. Yeah, it's a Cambridge team that you just expect will come out, play well, play clean, play crisp. This is a well-established program with a lot of history behind it. And even like you said, with, you know, you got your senior quarterback at Carson Tromke that doesn't look like he's going to be available for this final playoff run. And you've got these younger guys that are going to have to step in and play, but you expect them to still play with an edge to still be athletic and have some ability. And so I think this is an opportunity for Perkins County as that seven seed to prove, no, listen, the, we're not a joke. We're no joke here. We lost to two absolutely juggernaut teams in Dundee County Stratton and North Plant St. Pat's, but the Plainsmen have a chance here to take on a quality outfit in Cambridge to take care of business and prove that they're primed up to give somebody a heck of a game in the second round. Our final D1 matchup that we're looking at for the playoffs this week, number two in the West, Sandy Creek. They're taking on number 15, Maxwell. Sandy Creek ain't no Maxwell, four and four. Man, we've been just all in on the Sandy Creek team. We got a chance to watch them really closely in their game against Riverside earlier this year. It was 
kind of perfectly positioned with a standalone afternoon game when you and I both had some spare time to actually pull up the video and watch them closely. And we've just, we felt kind of, kind of fell in love with Ethan, Sean, Connor, Empey and what this offense can look like. It was super, super fun. And they've been super impressive since then. They had that massive, awesome win over Exeter Milligan friend earlier in the season. So this is a Sandy Creek team that after kind of underwhelming last year in their first year down in eight man really seemed to have put it together and figured it out here this year. Maxwell has had some nice moments this year. And so I don't think they're just going to be a pushover. And, but I think ultimately what this looks like is a chance for Sandy Creek to play a quality team and prove that they're completely sharpened up and ready to roll for the playoffs. Yeah. And, and part of it has to do with, how much I like Sandy Creek is they run the exact offense that that is probably my favorite style of offense that shotgun read option style. Um, Ethan Shaw does an awesome job of commanding the offense, gets his guys all of his ducks in a row before everything gets going. Um, and Connor Rempe does a great job of of breeding gaps and then um, some really good explosive speed and good 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 runner through contact. So. Um, I, I expect this offense to put up some serious points in the postseason. Like you talked about, Maxwell, I don't think is a pushover by any means in, in this matchup. Um, but I just think that that offense for the Sandy Creek Cougars is just going to be a lot of fun to watch as we get through the postseason. Yeah, it should be super, super fun. But like we said, that is going to do it for D1. So... If this is the only preview show you're listening to with us, uh, first off, what are you doing? Up the sicko mode. Get back here for the D2. Otherwise, make sure you're uh, liking and following the podcast anywhere that you can uh, that you listen to it. Make sure subscribe, rate, review, uh, like and follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter slash X. Uh, we'd love hearing from anybody on all those things. Remember, if you're going to a game for the playoffs, make sure you're updating, updating score feed. This is the most important time of year for us all to be doing that. But otherwise, for Tyler and I, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to get right back at it with the D2. So we will talk to you guys later. See ya.